All right. Welcome. Welcome. Welcome to episode number three of the Peak State Fit Experience podcast. We are recording here in um, the Peak State Fit recording studios, the Peak State Fit Performance Center. And we have guests today. We're going to attempt to do a round table. And so we have Sybil and Tracy joining us from their homes. But um, you are listening to our third episode. The first season of the podcast will follow the modules of the course, Nail Your First Ironman, which is now available for $189. The course has 35 video lessons covering the four pillars of Ironman, swim, bike, run, and nutrition, plus tips from my 34 years of racing experience and 20 years of coaching experience. Peak State Fit has placed an importance on education since our inception and our business mission is to share knowledge and empower others through education. Let's get to the show. So last week we covered choosing your first Ironman uh, race, which one you should choose. And we had guest Jillian McCauley. This week we have something special. We are here today with Peak State Fit coaches and doing a roundtable style discussion to discuss whether we should use a coach or training plan and the benefits of each. We're going to hear from coaches Pat Casey, Sybil Govan, and Tracy Campbell, and of course me. We've all raced an Ironman event and used resources from training plans and coaching, and we might be a little bit biased since we are coaches. We are here today to present our objective views on training formats for beginners entering the training phase of their very first Ironman. So let's get started. I'm going to ask each of you a question, and you have about two minutes to share your thoughts. And remember, we are going back into this beginner's mindset. And so I've reminded our other guests just because we're all pretty experienced at this point. But we're really trying to engage with that beginner's mindset today. And so, um, Pat, I'm going to start with you. And we and I will clarify, I did say an Ironman event because you have done a 70.3 uh, boulder and um, so tell us where, um, I just answered that for you, but I want to know specifically, did you use a coach for that race and would you make the same choice now? Yeah, good question. It was funny reading through the questions. I was like, oh boy, I am in over my head with this group because everyone here is so much more experienced in racing Ironman. Um, but I, my perspective is a little different because, you know, I, I coach Ironman athletes full time and, um, you know, I'm pretty immersed within the community. And so, you know, part of my motivation to do uh, an Ironman event was definitely to practice what I preach and to sort of be out there and be part of the community, uh, which I really enjoyed. I, I did I have a coach and I used my coach throughout my season. My, my discipline of racing is criterium racing, uh, on bikes. So a road racer by trade. And, um, you know, it was kind of, uh, it was kind of nice to, to trickle in and diversify my training with Ironman, uh, specificity, especially as we got closer to the event. Um, I, you know, I, I think that using a coach was incremental when I sort of developed my swimming skills and then, of course, beginning to, to run and develop the durability, even though my heart and lungs are really, really good. You know, getting into running, um, you know, you can get ahead of yourself really quickly as a cyclist. Um, and I think that that progression was really important. And, you know, consulting with Heather 
Um, and then even actually using some of the programming from uh, a previous coach I'd worked with, Linda Rowan, who was the uh, Peak State Fit coach a while back. And, um, you know, I, I just tried to kind of apply some of those principles and those coaching modalities because, like I said, you can get ahead of yourself and injure yourself really quickly if you're, you know, used to just sagittal plane of movement uh, without that type of force on connective tissue and, um yeah, I but I had a good I had a decent race. I, I didn't run enough before the event. And so I uh you know was sort of on on target to do like a four and a half hour race and uh the second loop on that run just blew my doors off and uh I ended up run walking the rest of the run. But it was yeah. a humbling uh it was a humbling experience and I I finished in just under five hours. So I was, I was nice. Well um I think that Pat is, I honestly didn't think about when I asked the question to you, but I'm, I'm glad that you're able to share that you're the only one here really coming from that single sport background of being a cyclist and then training for a 70.3 and brought up a very important part about um, injury prevention with running. And that is going to be an entire show one day, but very important. So Tracy, tell us your, um, did you use a, for, a coach for your first Ironman and would you make the same choice now? Yes, I did get a coach. In fact, that was why I got a coach. I had been racing triathlons for about four years and had done a lot of Olympic distance, had done a few 70.3 distance and had been having quite a bit of success um, just training on my own. Um, but when I wanted to tackle a full, I definitely wanted to get a coach because you can just waste your time for one reason. Injury was another reason. Um, and also the Ironman is such a different beast. It's so different. You know, if you think of going from a half marathon to a full marathon and how that's a different beast, it's the th same thing with Ironman going from a half Ironman to a full Ironman is such a different beast. And so I definitely wanted a coach um, to get me ready for that, even though, like I said, I'd been having quite a bit of success and felt pretty good. But um, I would definitely make that same choice again. Uh, getting a coach was such a good idea. I, I wish I would have done it sooner, actually. But um, I was so... Uh, also, there's so many questions that you have with that first full. Um, just there's so many questions when you first start triathlon mm -hmm. and just even when you're, you know, out to do your first maybe neighborhood sprint. Right. Uh, how do I set up my transition? What do I wear? All those types of things. And then those questions are amplified even more when you go to do a full distance Ironman. There's so much that goes into it. Mm -hmm. And. And even just to wrap your head around the idea of actually completing one, it sounds a little bit impossible, you know, so happy with that decision for sure. Yeah. yeah. And you also brought up another great point, And that's why we're doing this roundtable is because you all have so much to offer is that with um, having that sounding board of being able to ask questions. Last week in the show, Jillian brought that up with, you know, she had questions about, should I wear an aero helmet? You know, what kind should I be looking at? You know, and so, so many questions during that training process. 
and your coach is going to be there for you if you have that good relationship. So I love that feedback. Okay, Sybil, what have you got? So I did use a coach for my first Ironman, and my story is a lot like Tracy's. Um, I had been racing for about three years, and then I had done several halves. Um, I had been to a camp, and I was just kind of daunted by that, moving up from the half Ironman distance to the full. And I had learned at camp that there is so much more to triathlon than what you see on your training plan. So if you're looking at a pre-published training plan, you're really seeing, you know, there's a swim, a bike and a run. And at the time (laughs) there wasn't really a lot of strength or injury prevention, nutrition. Um, There wasn't anything there to tell me, you know, what should I wear? (laughs) How am I going to change? How does Ironman even work? And so I would go consult, you know, the internet for all of that, Mm -hmm. because we don't have a huge training community up here in Montana where I live. And then, you know, I'd find just buckets and buckets and eons of information and it was really hard to sort through it. So Mm -hmm. I actually did hire one of the coaches that I had met at camp and, um, and what I had learned just by that camp experience was just how much more there is to triathlon than what I was reading on my pre-published plan. You know, of course, how it really, especially at the Ironman level, how it's kind of a whole life thing. What (laughs) you eat is important and, um, you know, and how you adjust the plan when things aren't going great Mm -hmm. in your life Mm -hmm. and not supporting, you know, being able to do everything exactly how it's written, which nobody's life ever does. Right. Right. Yeah. And I think that's also a common mistake is that if someone's following a training plan and they miss a couple of days, they just um, either they, you know, don't know what to do and they start mixing and matching or maybe they just jump right back in on the day they were supposed Mm -hmm. to be, which some coaches advise doing that. But I, I like the personalized approach of, well, let's see what you missed and try to, you know, figure out where do those key sessions really need to fit in now. But all great points. Um, I like that you've got that accountability piece, too, there of being able to go to that coach, ask the questions. Great feedback from you all. And also, Sybil, one thing that you mentioned was going to a camp. To, mm-hmm. You know, that's a great way because I, uh, you know, making the choice to hire a coach is not something you should do in haste. You should interview several coaches. And if it, you know, if that's even an option, if you're sort of interested in, you know, some coaches that might be having a camp to be, you know, spend that time with them. What a fabulous way to get to notice somebody before you hire them. Um, all right. We're going to move on to our next question. And, you know, there's lots of different styles of coaching. There's data-driven coaches. There's coaches that don't even know how to read the data, unfortunately. Um, And then, you know, there's that personality concept style of tough love or superstar cheerleader or that midway point. I always feel for myself personally, I'm sort of that midway point. You know, I'll tell you what you need to know if, you know, we need a little tough love, but for the most part, I think I try to be really supportive. So tell me a little bit, and also I'll start with this one since I have, because um, I think that I love data. Um, 
there's no question how much I love data. I love the research. I love the science. But I also know that not all athletes love data as much as I do. And so I try not to overwhelm people with numbers if it's not appropriate for them case by case. But I try to find that balance. Another way that I use data that I think sometimes the athlete might not even know is the behind the scenes. Um, and we're going to get to that, too, of how do you know that your athlete is actually making progress? What are you doing, you know, in looking at data and all different kinds of ways? So I feel like I'm right in the middle with being between tough love and super supportive. And I'm also in the middle with being data driven. And I like sort of that um, organic driven feedback as well to you know, have an eye on how people are doing. So tell me. Um, We'll start with Pat again. Tell me a little bit about what you consider your coaching style to be. Yeah, I, I think I respond um, like as an athlete, I've always had a really uh, good experience with a sort of a collaborative approach. And I try to make that part of my style of coaching where, you know, you can use data to support X, Y, and Z, but, you know, it, it, it sort of depends on the, on the athlete's goals, you know, and, and some athletes don't, don't like that super structured regimen day in and day out. They, you know, like some people, it just adds too much stress to their life. It doesn't give them that outlet that they're looking for to create this environment for their mental health or just escape from reality and unplug and do sort of like that, you know, it's like it, just depends on what it's giving that person. And so, um, but I like being flexible in that way too. You know, it's like not having that one rigid style, I think is a really good uh, characteristic as a coach. Um, there's, there's other types of coaches that, you know, are maybe more focused on high performance and that's all they do. And they, they, you know, I think my bread and butter is probably more that working uh, professional, you know, I've got, clients who have been, you know, medical directors of big uh, healthcare facilities and, you know, stressful surgeon jobs and lawyers and people, you know, just like this whole gamut of like things that are like, it's clearly not their top, top priority in their life, but they like to use that as a driver for their productivity and what they bring the world in their, in their professional life. And so I think that's kind of a fun way to uh, approach it and just on a case by case, but my style is absolutely more in that collaborative. Um, you know, I can I can definitely be a cheerleader for people, but um, yeah, I think just being that uh, being that advocate for people's uh, well being, and that's like you know when you're building your when you're doing your first Ironman and you're building your team and your network of people that are there in your corner, you know that energy feeds what you what you do every day when you wake up in the morning. And, you know, if you know that there's somebody, whether it's accountability or just knowing that there's this collaborative, like, yep, Pat built that workout for me today. And I'm driven to get that thing done because, you know, we talked about it and it has this purpose. And then next week we're going to progress to this, you know, and that, that sort of speaks volumes to like, you know, the uh, camaraderie that you have with your athletes. Right. And you brought up one thing that um, I'm going to try to like pick one little thing that I just want to emphasize of, of each little topic, because I think it's really important to pull those golden nuggets out. And with a lot of times with working professionals, you know, they 
they don't want to have to decide what to do. And so just knowing that you have responsibly programmed, and I think it's important, that's not the nugget. The nugget is, I think one thing that we all do very well as Peak State Fit coaches is that we communicate with our clients the purpose of the what they're doing either through a phone call to talk about the schedule of the you know the week or through notes that are actually in the workout for the day but i talked to so many athletes um about previous coaching experiences and and i want to know and one of the most common things people say about a failed coaching experience is they didn't know why they were doing what they were doing and that they would ask questions, email the coach, and just get no response of, why am I doing this? I don't understand the purpose of what I'm doing. And that is important. Okay, Tracy, tell us about your coaching style. Um, well, I, I think my coaching style is definitely more on the collaborative side as well. I think, I mean, I feel it's a little bit adaptive. It kind of depends on what that athlete needs. Some athletes just want you to celebrate every small win with them, right? They lead, They need a little bit more of a cheerleader, a little bit more of somebody, <clears throat> excuse me, who's just gonna get excited with them that they just ran their longest run they've ever done or their longest bike they've ever biked. You know, they're very excited about this. Not that that's a small thing, that's a big thing. Um, but it's kind of the daily wins. Some So there's kind of that style. Um, I definitely kind of, a little bit in line with what Pat was saying. Um, I have a lot of athletes that have busy lives. They have busy careers. They have families. They have a lot going on, but they still have these high level goals that they're trying to achieve. And so I think sometimes reassuring them that their life is their priority and they still want to succeed in triathlon. They want to have a positive experience that it's okay for us to program their training around their life and their training doesn't have to take over their life. I mean, yes, there are times, you know, I'll tell my athletes, Hey, let's make sure these few weeks, you know, are not the most stressful time of your life because these are going to kind of be your peak weeks or this week you might have to sort of put training a little bit as your priority, but the overall in a training plan throughout the year, throughout the months, um, they have other priorities. And so they shouldn't feel bad, you know, when they do have to miss a workout or they have to modify a workout, kind of like you were saying, Heather, about that it's very personalized. And another thing I've noticed people do is some athletes will want to kind of make up their workouts. You know, if they miss one, they'll just want to stack it and keep, you know, adding yeah. it through the rest of the week. I'm like, it's not homework. We don't have to make it up that way. But <laughs> That's what I always tell them. It's not homework. Don't worry about it. I love that um, so much. We'll, <laughs> we'll figure it out. We'll we'll make it work. But um, I think I I really just love reinforcing for them that they are amazing and they are doing a great job. So I guess there's a little bit of that that cheerleader element that comes into it, and I just sort of um, uh, you know change it depending on who I'm working with. But I as well love data. I come from an engineering background. And so I myself, like, if I want, like, I'll do this sometimes with my own training, I really love to get into the numbers and dig through it and all that sort of thing. But at the end of the day, that's just one data point is the numbers, you know, there's so many other things um, 
to look at. So I do love data, but, and, and some athletes are just reassured by it. Some athletes don't want to know too much about it. Um, so, you know, I mean, I don't, I guess saying all that, I'm not yeah. sure what my coaching style kind of sounds like it is after adding that all together. I think but you, definitely kind you of said it perfectly. And, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and the small wins are so important because what a lot of people might not realize, and, and also like here today, I just sort of rem- want to remind you as coaches is that the people's lives that we are able to engage with as our athlete clients a lot of times they might not be getting that pat on the back of you're doing a great job at, and they might not have a support network to where people are proud of them and proud of those small wins. And when we are as their coaches, it means the world to them. So, and, and we keep them going. Uh, all right, Sybil, tell us about your coaching style. And if you, um, I have a feeling we're all pretty much collaborative, but <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I'm, I'm learning today that Tracy and I are very similar, I think. Um, <laughs> I would describe my style as holistic because I really mm-hmm. am interested in the whole person and not just their athletic performance. Um, mm-hmm. If somebody is trying to, you know, win their age group, I might not be the best coach for them because I'm kind of that person that's saying, you know, is your family on board with this? And mm-hmm. yes, that trip to Disneyland is more important than your long ride, you know? Yeah. So a lot of times I just really like to help my athletes find balance between their fitness goals and the rest of their life and, and try to yeah. find a rhythm where they can make progress in towards those athletic goals that they have without costing them too much in terms of their family life or their career. Um, I do. I also work with a lot of busy people that are kind of driven. Um, so they're driven at work and they're driven um, to be better as athletes. But, you know, how can we do both and not one at the expense of the other is, is right. kind of where I'm at. Um, I like quantitative stuff. I like data for my own training. Um, but I think that there's seasons because I used to be really into data. Um, but the more I work with people, I'm really more about the qualitative feedback, like the notes that they give us on our mm-hmm. workouts. Yeah. You know, how did you feel about that work? I look at that first and then second, right. I'll look at the data and I like yeah. to kind of see where those two meet up. Um, I guess I'm just not as good at reading the data to really know what's going on without a few sort of notes or, or talking with them on a phone call about how they felt like things went. Right. Data absolutely does not tell the story by itself. Mm -hmm. And that's why at Peak State Fit, we definitely encourage a lot of good notes um, through, you know, in the actual workout on training peaks. And then, (laughs) and then also, you know, in those calls that we do, um, there was, I just lost my concentration with our, with our dog bark there, but there was, I'll come back to it, but I had another golden nugget from, from what you said, Sybil. Oh, I know, I know, because it was actually really important. We had a bike fit client in last week and that you coach. And, um, I agree. You are so holistic with coaching. And when we actually had this client say, she's the perfect coach for me. 
because the time of my life that I'm in right now, I identify with so many things that we're able to talk about and share that have nothing to do with my what I'm training for. But it's life and it's important to me. And so it's people. People need that. Um, <laughs> and dogs need that, too. <laughs> excited. <laughs> yeah. Um, so we hinted on, you know, how do you know that your client is making progress? And we're going to go a, a little bit more into that. Um, me personally, I, I do rely on my dashboard and training peaks quite heavily for to check my myself as a coach. And um, I will go in and I'll either um, look at data for a specific sport. If I know that, hey, we've really been working on swim, let's just plug some metrics in on that Training Peaks dash dashboard where you have endless numbers of charts. And usually I'll do that about once a quarter with athletes that I just want to sort of monitor their progress from that data point. Um, but then, of course, through the qualitative portion, you know, that progress, uh, we, we talk, you know, you do meetings, you hopefully get to see your client through Zoom calls occasionally and talk about the goals. You talk about, are we, get, are we making progress on those goals? Um, and, you know, I think it's sometimes if you don't have those conversations, then maybe you don't stay as sharp on, are we really inching towards them as we should be? And um, because it can be a learning experience for us as coaches as well to hear from our athletes on their version of, are we making progress? What do you think, Pat? Yeah, I, uh, I think being really objective with, I mean, especially in triathlon, but it's, three sports in one, you've got, there, there's always a sport that you're more familiar with. You've had more experience doing. And, um, I think being like able to give that, uh, give that dominant sport a little bit of a back seat for a period of time is so important, especially if you're trying to gain run speed, um, or increase run volume. And you're like, you know, sort of teetering on that, like, am I getting better at this? I'm always tired, like, and, and leaning on testing for those sports for, for me, especially like when I was getting better in the, in the pool, um, I actually looked forward to those testing sessions and, and anybody that knows me and has worked with me knows that I hate testing on the bike. Like it's, one of the things that like it, it, I'm more nervous about a, a test than I am for the biggest race of the season, uh, yeah. which is the weirdest thing. But um, because I think we're just so invested that we are, especially in that one sport, we're like, we're so invested in it. We can't just take a step back and be like objective about it. We're always just so emotionally tied to our performance. And so, um, yeah, I think seeing that you're making progress is like, it's so redeeming, um, but it can also, testing can also be sort of a detriment to your mindset. So yeah, definitely coming back to that, like, how are you feeling on the bike? How are you, you know, like, do you feel like this power zone is appropriate? Do you feel like you want to bump it up? Do you think that there's mm -hmm. some, you know, ability to like kind of toggle those things without making it so stringent on, on the objective, but then, you know, using that subjective to, 
help quantify some of those gains that people are making and being able to lean on some of, even tempo runs and say like, okay, you, you know, when we first started, you did this really simple, like four by four or four by six tempo run, your heart rate was here and, you know, you said you really suffered through it. And now you're running that same pace at 10 beats, you know, eight to 10 beats lower. And you're, you know, come back just feeling great. You went out and did a big bike the next day or whatever. And so I think there's nice, like bits of like bits of information that we could pull out of that data. And obviously with that coaching approach, you have this bank of information that is really hard to see backwards as an athlete, but the coach is so incremental and in, in looking back in time and seeing how far you've come in, you know, two blocks of training, um, to be able to say like, yeah, yeah. Look at I'm going to interrupt you there, there, Pat, but, um, testing is something that I actually didn't even bring up and which I'm sort of surprised I didn't, but I think it's an important thing to talk about because not all, not all clients respond to testing very well. Mm-hmm. Um, but, I definitely will. I rely heavily on feedback as you do. And then I start asking, is that, does that interval seem like it's getting easier? You know, because that's, you know, obviously key indicator of oh, it's getting easier. They're getting stronger. Uh, Tracy, talk to us a little bit about making progress and some little key points that you keep your eye on. Yeah. So I, I think I have a, I think a lot of people are kind of averse to testing if you tell them it's a test. <laughs> so sometimes yes. I'll, I have certain workouts that are kind of tests that I don't necessarily tell them it's a test. I might say, hey, this is a challenging, you know, workout. Let's see what you can do. And then that's kind of a point I use, um, even if it's not an official test, to kind of see how are those swim intervals feeling or how are those watts feeling for that given amount of time? Um, again, all that feedback, how did you feel? And then also not just how they felt during it, but how did they recover the next day or later that week? How did they perform the rest of the week? How are they feeling? Are they feeling strong? Are they feeling good? Are they mentally feeling good? Um, so I, I sometimes just keep in mind I will do testing. I mean, you know, official testing, but again, I have some athletes that it just mentally doesn't work so great for them. So I'll do some of that and just say, Hey, it's just one data point. We don't base everything off of one test because that doesn't really make a lot of sense to do that. Um, as as I tell people all the time, like we don't train in a vacuum, right? We don't, there's so many factors that affect, um, what we're doing. Maybe you didn't sleep well. Maybe you were under a lot of stress. Maybe you didn't eat or hydrate very well going into it. Uh, Maybe you just put a lot of pressure on yourself mentally. Um, So I have kind of, like I said, kind of those other maybe key uh, workouts that I like to look at as well, where maybe it's a little less mental pressure, a little less stressful, and I can still kind of see how they're doing that way. you know, so kind of combining those metrics based off their uh, and along with their feedback, that's what I look like to look at to see how they're doing. And then if you have athletes that race often, you know, you can look at their races and kind of see how that's going. Um, you know, some athletes mm-hmm. do shorter races more often. So that kind of gives you feedback there and other athletes do fewer races. 
Um, so you kind of have, you know, your monthly things that you're looking at instead. So I guess there's, you know, like you guys brought up, there's a lot of points to take into consideration and look at and uh, as you judge how your athlete's making progress. And a lot, sometimes too, it's, it's how are they, how do they want to measure their own progress? Are they a very numbers driven person? Are they driven by what is my FTP? What kind of intervals am I swimming in the pool? Or are they more of an athlete that's driven by, I feel fit and strong and amazing? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I um, It's funny, I haven't thought about this in so long, but when I was training for my first Ironman in 2013, um, I used to do a 5K once a month. And, you know, not all of them were, you know, probably my best effort, but it was just something I would put on my calendar every month. It was actually suggested by my coach at the time. And that was like a nice little marker each month to just go out there and do a 5k, even though we were training for triathlon, get that fast twitch in and use that as a marker. Mm -hmm. Um, Sybil, we're on to you. (laughs) What tools do I use to make sure they're making progress? Um, so I do yeah. use testing. I generally will use testing, mm-hmm. not so much as are you getting faster or, but mm-hmm. more to adjust their training to make sure we have their zones. Correct. Right. I, Which I think, making sure their zones are correct is part of getting faster. Yeah. <laughs> right. right. <laughs> but I don't, uh, you know, I don't pay a lot of attention to, oh, you did that 5k faster this time mm-hmm. um, unless mm-hmm. they want to, you know, if, if yeah. The client wants to talk about, you know, their run pace a lot and they want to revisit that frequently. Then we'll talk about it. Um, I work with a lot of people who are um, either naturally kind of haphazard in their training. And so one progress indicator will just be, did you hit 80% of your workouts? Did you hit this goal that we had for consistency? Um, Did you walk less than this one that I did not want walking, you know, or did Mm -hmm. you actually comply and walk on this workout where I did ask you to walk, you know? Mm -hmm. So a lot of it is just, I see progress a lot when they're able to do the training as written because I know that they're getting more out of it. And then usually that's followed by a few weeks later, we do see their pace increase or their heart rate come down. Um, yeah, for a given workout. Um, but usually I'm looking for those consistency things first, because I know if they happen that the performance will follow. Yeah. And you're actually the only one that mentioned that. And, and I actually, and I love that of just like, because we are talking about beginners today Mm -hmm. and, you know, a lot of times with beginners, just completing the workouts is, I mean, that's, you know, a big piece of it is just being consistent. Um, so thank you for bringing that up. (laughs) So a lot of times I will measure progress by things like consistency, um, and distance. And, um, you know, as we're training for long course triathlon, those for me, it's okay. Maybe your long run, you know, wasn't that, you know, are you able to complete this distance and feel better, Mm -hmm. you know, because that is going to be a key. Um, I want them to have a good experience on race day. 
Yeah. So maybe I do want them to sort of dial back the speed, but I want them to have to feel good and and fuel themselves appropriately and come back and say, you know, I did that long run and it was amazing. I felt great. Yeah. Awesome. Well, we um, we're running a little bit short on time, so we're going to combine the last two things that I have for us today. And I'm going to have each of you basically just share your, your, what's the most rewarding thing for you personally about being a coach and one tip for people training for their first Ironman. And Pat, I'm going to let you go first. Definitely helping people realize that they can do things they once thought were impossible. So I think people could probably share that idea that, you know, um, being that figure in somebody's life, uh, you know, as much stuff as they go through throughout their training and, you know, these highs and lows and balancing life and kids and work. And um, I think just like helping them showcase their best version of themselves and realizing their potential. And, um, that's, that's the biggest thing for me. And, you know, honestly, that's what drives me to be a better athlete myself. Um, and breaking through those barriers that you create in your head. And, you know, that's just everything. I think that's how, how we become better humans. And so that's just our way. And, you know, it's all of us as athletes, uh, are so fortunate to, to have that opportunity to, to, you know, yeah, have that outlet for ourselves and then also kind of live that, um, and, and, and kind of provide that in other people's lives. Uh, and then my one tip, I guess, is just to enjoy it. I think Tracy say this a lot, but we get to do this stuff. And um, if you have the opportunity to like train for and do an Ironman, like having gratitude for that opportunity and the, the wellness and the physical ability to go out and do it every day is just such a blessing and a gift that um, I think keeping that perspective with your athletes is so important. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you. Tracy, tell us um, your most rewarding part about being a coach and one training tip. Uh, wow. I could echo everything that Pat just said. That was all. I a hundred percent agree with all of that. Um, I think I love as far as rewarding working with these athletes, I love having a front row seat to seeing so many things that they are overcoming to accomplish their goal, you know, and lots of people don't know the story. Everyone has a story when they cross that Ironman finish line. Every single one of those athletes had a story of how they got to that start line and then how they came across that finish line. And I get to see a lot more of it as a coach. I get to see a lot more of their story and all the challenges that they went through and the self-doubt they had to overcome and just being able to be a part of empowering them um, in their story and watching them be amazing really is so, I mean, humans are amazing and Ironman athletes are amazing. And I love getting a little more kind of insight on people's stories. So I absolutely love that part of it. Um, I'm inspired by them as well. Um, that was actually years ago when I started my triathlon, uh, Instagram account, it was partly because I just wanted to see how your average Joe or Jane 
trained for an Ironman. And so I started seeking out those people that were just, you know, getting it done. Very inspiring. Um, and now I get to coach yeah. them. So I, I love getting to see a little more up close and personal uh, how they do that. Okay. So t- top tips for that. Uh, first Ironman, absolutely Pat nailed it, having fun and enjoying it. Um, I think maybe one that I would share as a top tip um, would be to stick to your own plan, your own race plan, your own nutrition plan, really commit to it, whatever you plan before, stick to it. And then don't compare yourself to what everybody else is doing to others. This is your race, race your own race, do your own thing. This is about you. It's not about everybody else. That's why you did that. Remember your why of why you wanted to accomplish this. And um, of course, have fun. That's that's part of it, hopefully. So remember that why. Remember your why and stick to your plan. Yeah. If you don't remember that why, you know, it's just, there's, that's everything. You have to have the why. So Sybil, we're going to um, finish with you and then I'll wrap things up. So sure. the most reward, rewarding thing about being a coach and your top training tip for beginners. Sure. So the most rewarding thing for me is when a client has like an aha moment and maybe some advice I gave them or intervention that we did makes a huge difference. You know, one of those small yeah. tweaks that you make that makes a big difference. For example, you know, when someone changes up their nutrition strategy on the bike and all of a sudden they're putting out these watts, they didn't, you know, a big dump Uh, or, or maybe I assign some prehab exercises because of, you know, a chronic injury that they never thought their run would improve. And, and now it does because they're being consistent with some prehab. So just an aha that, oh, you know, I can change one small thing and have a big difference in my um, training. Right. And that's that one small thing is no small thing at all. You had the insight to know what that athlete needed and at the mm-hmm. appropriate time. And that's yeah, something they wouldn't have come upon if I hadn't yeah. been involved. So, yeah. Um, and my training tip is to remember that there are actually six events in triathlon. There's <laughs> swim, bike, run, recovery, strength and nutrition. Yeah. And I think with for masters athletes and long course athletes, we have that in common with the pros. You have to mm-hmm. pay attention to those things or you're not going to make progress. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Very true. Um, the most I could, yeah, the most rewarding thing for me about you know being a coach, definitely the evolution, like you've all said of just seeing the, the athlete that, that comes through, out the other side of that Ironman finish, then who has that person evolved to be? Um, and sort of a second thing, I guess I could say second one is just because I, um, I feel like I'm really gifted with teaching people swim that, um, I work with so many people that swimming is their limiter. And one of the most rewarding experiences I, I had as a coach was before I even moved to Utah and I was coaching um, someone in Alabama for their first Ironman. And when they hired me, they didn't know how to swim. They literally could not swim 25 yards across the pool and he finished his Ironman. And so that was definitely the most rewarding experience for me um, for one particular athlete. 
And then I think, um, gosh, the recovery portion too, gosh, so well, I don't want to steal that from you, but you know, if you are not monitoring your sleep and your recovery, all of the hard work that you're putting in is not going to be fruitful. And, um, so yeah, that you've got to get your sleep and you've got to fuel your body. Well, we, we've had so much great insight, and there's a lot of different reasons I wanted to do this style today. Um, we had a great topic, and we have such a great opportunity at Peak State Fit to have you right here as resources. And I know that there are athletes out there looking for coaches and wanting to maybe hear from you and see what your style is. And so it gave us a chance to showcase you as well. Um, so thank you for being here. Next week, we are um, going to cover choosing a goal, and I'm not sure who our guest is going to be yet next week, but we will be recording. And so thank you so much for being here, and um, this will be on Spotify this afternoon. So thank you. I am going to end us with a clap. <laughs>